I want to do this as a bonus sermon for the church, and so I'm teaching our staff, and uh, just so you know, uh, I don't always uh, do this for the church, um, but always for the staff. We train them on Tuesdays. We have prayer. We have worship. I want you to know your staff is unified. We are together, and uh, I'm doing a teaching for them that I want all of you to get as well and have the opportunity to watch online. So uh, with that, I'm going to teach them, and I'm probably going to forget that the church is watching but uh, know that your staff, the staff of this church is being taught this, and uh, uh, I just wanted to make this available. I'm going to continue with the, the sermon that I did this past weekend um, with our Is It Possible? It Is Possible. There, how many know that when you do a sermon, there's always stuff left that you don't get to put in there? A good communicator knows that you have volumes of material but you figure out what you need to use and what you can and cannot use, and there's tons left here. So I've got that. And then I found a resource. Just in, in picking up a book, I opened it up and, and found a, an old sermon on this very text that I preached on that I absolutely wished I would have had this old sermon as a reference because there was so much good, and some of that is the framework for what I'm going to share but uh, this is, uh, it's a challenge, and I want to challenge you as leaders. I want to challenge you as leaders. Matter of fact, I'd love to even mandate deacons and elders, you need to watch this. Um, I want to challenge you as leaders that you must lead in faith. Yes. You must lead in faith. You have to. You have to be a person of it is possible. Amen. I'm going to tell you many times you are going to show up to a situation, and the room will be empty of faith. Doubt will have pervaded worse than empty of faith. It will be like, if, you, if, it's, if it's possible to see in the spirit realm, it will be, faith will be plunging out of the room like being sucked out like a vacuum and poison doubt is being pumped into the room. If you can picture this, it's like poison gas is being pumped into the room and all things that are good are being sucked out of the room and then you show up. And in that moment, doubt will just want to grab you and strangle any ounce of faith that you brought into the room. You cannot let it. You have to be the leaders in faith. If you're going to be a leader in ministry, you have to do that. You have to learn how to step up. You have to be people of faith. You have to be prepared to lead in faith. And I've learned this, that you exercise faith in dire situations and bold endeavors. Okay, it's going to be dire. That's why you need faith. I mean, when you show up and somebody says, oh, hey, I kind of tripped and stubbed my toe. Faith doesn't need to rise up. Doubt is not filling up the room. But all of a sudden you hear a report about a disease that you didn't even know the name of and you show up in the hospital room. It's dire. You know what? Faith needs to show up and you need to bring the faith level up and it's going to take everything within you to fight against doubt. So dire situations and bold endeavors. There's gonna be a moment that you're gonna to have to step out in faith and someone's gonna to have to lead the charge. I can remember believing for 2.5 million for Kingdom Builders, which seems like so small when we think about it now because we're believing for 5 million, okay? But I'm telling you, when I stood up in front of the church and we need more than a million to make the goal, and I was like, Somebody's got to lead in faith. I had to find my moment where God filled me up and I stood in the pulpit and while doubt was trying to leak every ounce of faith out of me, I was plugging the leaks and standing in front of the church saying, we're going to make it. 
We are going to make it. We are going to, and every time I said it, I felt faith rise up and God was like, you are right. You're going to make it. And I'm just telling you, it's bold endeavors and dire situations. Okay. All right. Now I wrote this down. You look for bold situations. You prepare for dire situations. Don't go looking for any dire situations. All right. But look for a bold endeavor. Look for a bold endeavor. And, 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 and it's a bold endeavor right now to be believing for 5 million. That is a bold faith-building endeavor. Okay, let me just speak to our youth team and I will not embarrass you, but do you know what you're believing for of the portion of the 5 million? If you don't, you are cutting yourself short on your faith development. You should know the amount that every youth ministry, every campus is responsible for. You should know the goal together. You should be praying and fasting for that goal to be met. You should be sweating it out in the tears and praying for a bold endeavor to lift your faith. Campus pastors, what's your campus believing for? You should be praying for that, fasting for that, having a bold endeavor. If I was to ask your deacons, do you randomly grab them or call them and say, hey, will you believe in faith for me for the 2.4 million or the 1.5 million or for the million we're believing to supplement in missions? Would the answer be yes or would it be no? Have you owned it? Are you looking for a bold endeavor to build your faith or are you coasting through and getting to third base because of an overthrow. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. You need to exercise the faith with, faith with bold endeavors because here's the thing. If you don't go after bold endeavors, I guarantee you dire situations will show up. You can't go into a dire situation without a bold endeavor. David is like, I killed the bear, I killed the lion, now I'm going after the giant. Giant's a dire situation, but he had bold endeavors that strengthened him in the dire situation. You gotta have it that way, okay? And you will have dire situations, okay? Um, Abraham, bold endeavor, go where I'll tell you. That's how he could face things bold endeavor and he could face other things. Noah, build an ark. Elijah and Elisha. Elisha has faced bold endeavors. And so when he has a dire situation, he's like, God's got it. His servant's like, no, he doesn't. And, God, and Elisha's like, Lord, would you open his eyes so he can see that greater is he with us? And all of a sudden his servant sees all the spiritual defenses around him. He's like, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. Okay. Bold endeavors get you ready for the dire situations. Joshua and Caleb fought against doubt. They were people of bold endeavors. They're people like that. And, and Paul is telling Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.2, he says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. It's right there, faith. Faith, faith, faith. We ought to be faith-filled people setting the example and believing for it and living bold lives. And, and for some of you, that means uh, stepping up in kingdom builders for your faith, for your family. Don't just have youth group faith or campus faith or whatever. Have your faith too that you activate as a family and you believe and you say, God, it's a bold endeavor for you. Now, in Mark chapter 9, uh, verse 24, he says, the guy that we talked about this week, the dad with the demon-possessed son, he says, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. And we need to ask God to help us in our unbelief. And we need to attack unbelief, okay? We need to attack it. Um, I, I think it's amazing that when it comes to things in our life, we fight like crazy for our rights. We fight like crazy for our rights. If somebody was to say, um, 
I don't know, you don't have the right to uh, free speech. You'd say, no, yeah, no, I do. I have a right to free speech. It's guaranteed in the Constitution. I'm going to sue you. If somebody says you don't have a right to work there, you'd say, yes, I do. I have a right to work there. If you say, they say you don't have a right to live in that neighborhood, you'd say, yes, I do. I have a right. And people fight for all their rights because they feel like they're given to them. Well, God's given you the right to stand in his name. And it's interesting when it comes to healing, when it comes to the miraculous, when it comes to faith, instead of claiming our rights, we whimper and accept the situation. Why is it that we'll fight so hard against other things, but we don't attack doubt? We just let doubt reign in our life. We can't let that happen. I mean, and I just thought about so many different things. If there was a mouse in your house, you wouldn't just say, oh, that's neat. You'd say, I'm going to go buy a, ta- a-, a trap. I'm going to buy some poison. I'm going to call an expert. I'm going to attack what is bringing germs and poop into my house. I mean, there's like poop everywhere. I'm not going to let that thing go. I want a clean house. I'm attacking the mouse. Okay, mom's in the room. We got a bunch of moms here. If there was a snake in your backyard where your kids play, would you go, well, there's just a snake, you know, that's just going to happen. They might get bit or, you know, whatever. You'd say, call the authorities, get the snake out. Well, you'd call your husband. Then he'd say, call the authorities, get the snake out of you and do it. He's like, all right. Mark would, Mark Kitty would go out and shoot it. But, you know, uh, interestingly enough, this is just, as I was putting these examples down, Dr. Dave Martin, uh, who'll be uh, doing something for us in November, he's doing a leadership thing and preaching for us that weekend right before our miracle offering. He also has like an anointing on finances. Um, He was on vacation. He was on vacation. He was doing a, a seminar somewhere and his wife went out to use their pool at night and she turned on their pool light and, and she was so grateful that she did because she saw a five-foot alligator swimming in their pool. They live in Florida. So, so she sees this five-foot alligator. So what does she do? She doesn't say, oh, well, I'll just swim and hope it doesn't kill me. You know, she calls the authorities and they use their power to get the alligator out of her pool. I'm going to tell you this right now. If there's sickness, disease, anything there, and doubt in your life, it, you call your authority and ask him to use his power to rid that out of your pool. That's what we need to do. And yet we so often sit back in doubt, sit back in despair. We don't take authority. And I'm telling you this, we need to uh, attack doubt. We need to run at doubt, aggressively charge doubt, and say, you will not have dominion. And I thought about one last illustration. If your family member was um, one of our people sent out on a global thing, and they were in a tough country, and ISIS uh, caught them, and held them captive. How many would just say, oh, well, you know, they, you know, they're caught, and oh, well. No, you wouldn't. You know what you'd do? You would activate the prayer chain. You would tell everyone you'd know. You would probably make a button, and you would say, this is my family member. Don't forget them. They're there. You would probably go and, and create a website. You would ask for money. You would talk to people. You'd say, what about a military extraction group? Can you extract my relative out? Can we do that military-wise? God, how about a miracle? How about, and you'd start quoting all the miracles that were in the Word of God. God, you got Peter out of jail. You can do that, right? That's what you'd do. And, and if you were at dinner, and people were talking to you, you'd almost be like a broken record because even if they were talking about some other thing, sports or whatever, you'd always go back to your family member. You would be consuming your mind and you would want to fight until they were free, right? But how many know that when it comes to doubt, when it comes to healing, when it comes to the miraculous, we live in a world of, oh, well, instead of fight, attack it, go after it, live for it, be bold and cast it out. So I'm asking us to step up 
Now this guy admits, he says, I believe, help my unbelief, okay? I believe this, faith and doubt are in you right now. They are living in you and they are looking for the upper hand. One is looking for the upper hand over the other one. They coexist in all of us. It's just reality, okay? The will has the power to choose which one is going to win. You do. You have the power and the authority to pick which one can win. All right? Now, there's things that you can do to help this. But if we, if we choose to believe God to have faith win, he will help us. How many know doubt doesn't need any help to win? Okay? But faith needs help to win. So we ask God to do this. And so we're saying, God, I want you to help me in this. I want you to get me through this. I, I want you to help my unbelief. They coexist. There's an unbelief and faith, but I want faith to win. Now, the best thing I could come up with, I was like, God, help me to get some reality on this. How do I illustrate this? And the Lord reminded me of this. Do you realize that in every single one of us that has had chicken pox, you had chicken pox. It disturbed you. It, it, it was probably a bad week of your life, okay? But then the chicken pox went away. But what they did is the virus in the chicken pox went and got in your spinal cord, and it's been laying there dormant. Okay, it's laying there dormant, but it's in you, but it doesn't dominate you. It's dormant. And when stress hits you, a dire situation, a bold endeavor, it activates, and it comes out as shingles. Shingles is extremely painful. How do I know? I've had it once. It actually attacks one side of your body from your spinal cord because the chickenpox virus is there in there and it's dormant, but the stress in my life a few years ago all of a sudden activated it and I started limping. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm limp, this limp and, and, and I had a rash. And Becca said, I think you might have shingles. I was like, what do you mean? I didn't even know anything about it. So I went to the doctor and, you know, I said, I think I, and he goes, oh, have shingles. Yes, you do. Holy cow. And he goes, let's give you some medicine. All right. But here's the thing that I want to tell you. Doubt, even if you're a person of faith, doubt is lingering in your spinal cord. Okay. Doubt is lingering and a dire situation or a bold endeavor will activate doubt at a whole new level in your life. But here's the thing. You cannot let it dominate you. You, can, you need to take authority over it. I, I didn't say, oh, well, well, I'll just live in stress. I was like, all right, what do I need to do to eliminate this? What do I need to do that? I need this doctor. I need help. Give me the medication. Give me the pill. Give me the thing. I need to do this. And I explained, that ah, the rash is this, but guess what? I'm getting through it. It's not going to dominate me. All right? You cannot let doubt dominate you. Yes, doubt will be there till you die, but doubt needs to lay dormant and faith needs to take the active role in your life. And when it riles up, ask for help. Yep. Ask for help. What do you do? You, you call your friends. You call your other pastors. You call, activate their faith. What are you doing? You're getting medicine. You're getting strength. You're, getting, you're doing whatever you can to activate faith in your life. Now, with our if, we control our if. I said that. And it's interesting, Jesus, in the way he says it, it's your if. So that means you can control your if. Get that? You can control your if. And, and you can control it. And, and the, the best way I could say this is um, we can control our body. We can control our tongue. We can control our thoughts. We can control our doubt. We can. We just, you have to think of it that easy. Like right now, you're seated on your chair, okay? How many know when you were a little kid, many of you could not stay seated, right? And you'd fall off the chair. Logan couldn't stay seated. We're like, we're going to ground you. We're going to take away your allowance. He just, ah, falling off his chair all the time. 
Now he's an adult. He can control. He can stay on the chair most of the time. And uh, <laughs> you are staying on your chair. Right now, you're controlling your voice. You're not shouting out. You're not screaming. You're not yelling. How many know that even people that have foul mouths when they're put on TV all of a sudden can learn how to control it? Why? Because they control their tongue. They control their body. They control you. Same thing. You can control your thoughts. You've got to learn to take your thoughts captive and you can control your doubt. You can start taking authority over that, asking for help and not letting doubt dominate. It's interesting. I I think we're susceptible to doubt just like we are, like we're susceptible to the flu in our physical bodies. We're susceptible. What happens when, you, when you, you're more susceptible to the flu when you're running too fast and you're not slowing down? Okay, so let's compare this. If you're not doing your devotion time, you're running too fast and you're susceptible. You know, if you start, if you don't wash your hands, okay, you're susceptible to flu. If you don't live pure, how many know you're susceptible to doubt? Can I tell you this, just side note, the first thing that any, that will come into your mind if you're ever faced with demon possession, the first thing that will come into your mind is you're not pure enough, you're not holy enough, you didn't do good enough. It's the first attack of the enemy. It's the first thing he does, all right? So now you can eliminate that, uh, some of it, by living pure, living holy, and having your time in the Word, because he will remind you in that moment of facing somebody demon-possessed, he'll immediately go, you didn't do your soap for five days. You didn't. You took a lustful glance. You did. I mean, he will throw all of it just trying to, you know what I'm saying? Okay, but the thing you got to just realize, that's an attack from the enemy. This is just a side note, okay? The authority that you stand in is not in yours. It's all in his, in Jesus. So that's just an attack for the enemy to get doubt to take over instead of faith. Just push that one aside and deal with that later and stand in the authority of Jesus' name, okay? So stand in his authority. But I'm just gonna let you know that's the attack that everybody has when they're faced with that, all right? But you're susceptible when you're not pure. You're susceptible when you're uh, dirty hands. You are uh, susceptible if you're not exercising, if you're not having the right diet. You are susceptible to doubt if you're not exercising your faith. And again, if you're not doing bold endeavors, you're susceptible. That's your exercise, Do you understand? I mean, you're like, well, kingdom builders, he keeps pushing kingdom builders. I'm pushing kingdom builders so you have a bold endeavor to exercise your faith so that when you face the dire situation, you're in strength, not weakness. Your diet, what are you feeding on? If you're watching filthy stuff and you're taking in filth and you're taking in all this, it's just, it's, it's gonna dominate you. You cannot let it dominate you. So whatever you feed on either, get this, I wrote this down. Whatever you feed on either fuels your faith or doubles your doubt. Whatever you feed on will either fuel your faith or double your doubt. You decide. And I want to feed on God's word. I want to feed on the miraculous. I want to feed on the things that are godly. I want to be around other people that have had miracles. I mean, if I needed a miracle in my life, you know what I'd probably do right now? If I needed a miracle, I, and it, let's call it a healing. If I needed a healing in my life right now for any situation, if I needed to increase my faith, I think I'd walk around and go, do you have a healing story for me? I'd be like, who's got a healing story for me? I'd be at lunch. I'd say, anybody got a healing story for me? I need to hear a healing story. That's, I would just, what a great way to let them talk and you listen and let them, be, I need a healing story. Can somebody give me one? That's what I would do. Just, I'm going to fuel my, I choose what goes in and I'm choosing to fuel it. Now, this is a hard part and you can handle this as leaders. Um, But a great preacher, A.G. preacher, C.M. Ward said, it's sin 
when you start to refuse to take action in faith. Now, I know that seems hard. You're like, really? Doubt is sin? But think about it. If God's word is telling you to stand in faith and you're standing in doubt and you know better, it's sin. Now, it's not a sin to have doubt attack you. And let me illustrate this with uh, something very simple, okay? It's not a sin to have lust attack you, okay? It's not a sin to have lust or temptation attack you, but it becomes a sin when you yield to it and instead of looking for the escape, you yield to it, you sin. Okay, so take it and transfer it to doubt. It's not a sin to have doubt attack you, but it's a sin to yield to doubt, not take faith preemptive actions and move toward faith and to act like doubt has the upper hand and authority in your life. Does that make sense? As a follower of Jesus Christ, you're actually sinning when you let doubt take the authority in your life. You could still say, God, I believe, help my unbelief. Doubt is raising its ugly head. Shingles is coming after me. I mean, it's it's dormant in my spine, but I don't want it to be there. Please, God, overcome this. You can be praying in the spirit, God, Doubt is sucking the faith out of this room, but I need more of you. It's okay, but you're not yielding to it. Uh, Just very similar to the person that's tempted, like, okay, that drink is calling my name, and it's calling my name, and I'm fighting against it, and that drink is begging me to go back to it, but I'm not doing it, God. But God, I need your help. I want to be sober, but drunkenness is calling after me. You see the battle? We should think that same way with doubt instead of like, oh, well... I'm going to yield to doubt, not let faith be leading me through this. It's a sin to live in that doubt. We cannot do that as believers in Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, we're called to be believers. Yes. <laughs> that funny term. I'm a believer in Jesus, but I doubt. <laughs> I'm a believer. Come on, we are believers. Let's own that title. All right. Oh man, let me think. Just one more thing here. Um, Ask God, here's another thing with that guy. Ask God to move against your doubts. That's what the guy said. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Just ask God to move against your doubts. God, would you move against my doubt? You move. Just do anything you can to move against my doubt. And the reality is, um, one day, we're going to see God face to face. All of our doubts will be eliminated. We'll be living no longer in faith, but we'll be living by sight. We'll see Jesus. So here's my thing. Why not aggressively run towards what's in heaven, which kind of has been a theme in my thinking lately. If it's in heaven, why not try to move it to my now, right? That's what I just keep thinking. Why not move it to my now? I, I just, if it's there and it's good for me, I want it now. I want a taste of it, a piece of it. Maybe I can't get all of it, but what if I got 1% of what's waiting for me in heaven? That'd be incredible. That would just put us off the charts. Think about that. So I, I just keep thinking if faith is there and doubt will be cast away and, and, and Doubt doesn't dominate in heaven, but faith does. And, and the reality of what's in heaven, I'm going to move towards the reality of what's there instead of the reality of what's right here trying to pull me down. And the last thing I would say is I think it's time for us to um, enjoy a bigger God. Okay? Enjoy a bigger God. God is bigger than you realize, and you need to enjoy how big he is. And the last illustration I'll give is this. If you've ever had the opportunity to see mountains, um, they're spectacular. And if you've never seen mountains, seriously, get it on your bucket list. Try to see mountains. 
as soon as you can. I'm not kidding. I'm not, you know, go skiing, go see them, do a vacation, get to the mountains. And, and, and it's really fun if you drive toward the mountains. And here's why. Because when you're driving towards the mountain, you're anticipating the mountains, and then you see the mountains in the distance. You're like, are those things real? They didn't even look real, right? They don't look real. And all of a sudden you get close, you're like, they don't look that big. I mean, they don't look, you know, you're kind of a distance from them. You're thinking, they don't look that big, you know? And I can think, like, I, right now I can think of Denver. If you fly into the Denver airport and then you're driving towards the mountains, you're like, oh, there they are. Okay, huh, they don't look real. And then they don't look that big, huh? And then you start driving in them and you're like, these things are big. And then you go to try to climb one and you're like, these things are gigantic. I mean, they're amazing. You start climbing it, you realize, this thing is way bigger than I thought. Then when you get the perspective on the mountain, I'm just, a, when you're on the mountain, you're like, there is such power and strength and the, this thing is invincible. I am on a mountain, okay? This is a mate. And you leave there and you're like, no, no, they're gonna look small, but they're way bigger. You gotta get on them, in them, up in them, and then you'll know how big they are. Okay, that's how it is with God. You start doing bold endeavors. You step out in faith. You get close to God. The closer you get to God, the bigger he seems, the bigger. And he's always been big. It's just your perspective has changed. And the faith of somebody that's 20 miles away from God is one level, but the faith of somebody next to him is better. The faith of somebody right up on his lap is even better. And if he puts you on his shoulders, you will feel invincible. The closer you get to God, the more you get up into God, the greater your faith will be, the bigger he will seem. And he hasn't changed. It's just your perspective of how big he is changes and your boldness. You step off of that moment and then you face that dire situation and you're like, we got this one. Like, like seriously, no one in this room part of this church would even be phased with right now if I said our goal for Kingdom Builders is 2.7 million. You all, most of you would be like, why is it so low? We've already climbed that high, right? And, and next year, if we don't go bigger than five, people are like, we've already done a $5 million mountain. Why don't we go for a bigger mountain? See, our faith level is climbing because of what we've experienced, and your faith level can climb by what you've experienced, and the closer and the higher up you go in God, and then when you step down to other levels where people are shaken, the reason Jesus could be like, guys, I got this. He just been in the presence of God at a higher level than they even had a clue of, Right? He's just been in the presence of God at a higher level than they even have a clue of. He's like, guys, I got this one. This is like way down here. They had never been to that height before. And he's like, all right, come out of this boy. Okay, so you climb up and, you come, and it's easier living down here. Think about, there are people in our church that are fearful of tithing, but for those that tithe, they're like, got that. It's good, got it. You know, there are people afraid of king bears. Oh, no, but you I got it. There are people that are afraid of demon possession, but the people that have been there, they're like, God, it greater this he that is in us than he that's in the world. Don't worry about this. But the more you climb up, the easier it is to take care of these things. But there's bigger mountains, and let's not miss it. So, Lord, I pray, doubt will not dominate. Doubt will not, faith will dominate in our church, in our lives, in our spirit. We are going to let faith dominate, and we will attack. We will run aggressively at doubt. 
in Jesus' name. We will do it. I, I come against doubt, and I even know that even when we pray prayers like this, doubt tries to dominate again. It tries to jump up. But I, I rebuke doubt in the name of Jesus, and I claim faith, and we say, Lord, we believe. We know that doubt is dormant. We want it to stay there. And may faith just dominate in our life. May faith in you. And it's not just faith. It's not faith in us. It's faith in you, and it's trusting you and being believers. So I pray for healings, I pray for miracles, I pray for deliverance, I pray for breakthroughs, I pray for all that we are believing for in Jesus' name. It's in that name that we have the authority. It's in that name that we have the authority. And I do pray for our staff and our leaders and our deacons. May we always be the ones that will change the momentum. When we walk into a dire situation, we will see it as our role to change the momentum in the name of Jesus. It's in your name. It's not in our strength, but in your name, we will change the momentum. And when it comes to a bold endeavor, may we be the first to grab our giftings and say, we're in. We're in. Bold endeavor, I'll go first. I'll sign first. I'll do the biggest. I'll jump in. I'll believe. And may we do bold endeavors so that when we face dire situations, we're prepared. Faith will win, faith will rise up, because it's in your name, Jesus. It's in your name, Jesus. And I just want to say your name a couple times to cast all doubt in Jesus' name, Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Faith wins. Faith wins. Amen. Let's give God a, a praise offering. Amen. Amen.